video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to watch Hello, my name's Justin LeClue, and I'm here today with... Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. And this week, let's just jump right in into the cult section. And our first release is Curse of the Undead from 1959. I thought this was a Roger Corman film. I was mistaken. This is actually an infamous B-grade Western with a twist. Because the cowboy that's creating trouble is a vampire. Ooh, it kind of reminds me of Billy the Kid versus... Dracula? Dracula, yeah. It seems I feel like, like a this was probably better. Okay, this was better than that? Mexico okay. has a lot of, like, Western uh, monster movies that were made in, like, the 50s and the 60s. And it sounds like Kino's jumping into that um, genre because they're doing the Santo film, but this is an American film. And, yeah, never seen it. I'm sure it has its fans, people who saw it when it came out. I'm sure I don't have the disc in front of me. It probably has a commentary with, like, a scholar Lee Gambin or something like that. Usually on those ones. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All that good stuff. I mean, it's been selling pretty much about the same as Billy the Kid versus Dracula, which is why I, so why Justin, I brought it up. So uh, uh, bought a copy. And... Uh, but, yeah, people love these kind of horror Western mashups, I think. I feel like this was maybe an important film for people in their certain generation in their youth, maybe. I guess. I mean, people who desperately want monsters in their Westerns. So you got Curse of the Undead and another movie we'll be talking about this week, but not for a while, because next up is The Face at the Window, another keynote title that I am unfamiliar with. In 1880, the criminal called The Face is responsible for a murderous rampage in France. So it's a French film, and uh, the wealthy Chevalier Lucio Delgado is the only chance to save the bank. Save the bank? Who cares? Let the banks perish. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I don't know much about this film. I, mean, I guess it's a British film that takes place in France. I don't know. It starts Todd Slaughter. Do you no, know Todd great Slaughter? Name. I love that <laughs> yeah. name. A great name, right? <laughs> Seems like he's in like a heavy metal band I feel band like he's probably like, but, uh, hello, my name is Todd Slaughter. Like very prim oh, and proper. Yeah, and you're like, oh, no. Oh, you're totally right. I'm just looking him up on IMDb. You got to see his photo on here. He looks like the most prim He's got like and a monocle British in and everything. Ever. Yeah, not quite, but there should, you could put a monocle over his eye and it would look perfect. Um, yeah, I guess he was just an early screen star in Britain. Um, you know, died in the fifties, but uh, good. This one's been selling well too. So I don't know what it is. Do people just? It's like Kino. It's like Kino puts their like seal of approval on it, and they're like, "All right." It is not a seal of approval, though. Like we talk about Kino releases all the time. <laughs> like, well, I mean, yeah, Aspen Extreme. You know, I guess. Hey, the if seal it had a commentary approval, track, we'd have probably sold anything. more copies. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, the artwork they've put together for this, I think the package they put together just like sells itself a little bit. It's got that old gothic horror type. Ooh, I like that. Oh, right. We've been selling copies. So, you know, come on, learn something about Mr. Todd Slaughter, ladies and gentlemen. And <laughs> what a great name. Sounds like a wrestler's name. Doesn't look like he really made that many movies either. He's only got tw 22 credits to his name, and some of them are just like brief appearances on like TV segments. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Maybe he wasn't that big a star. Oh, but I'm looking here. Apparently, he played Sweeney Todd in an early 1930s version of Sweeney. I Todd. mean, speaking of interesting stuff, we also have Snow White: A Tale of Terror. It's the 90s TV movie that starts Sigourney Weaver and Sam Neill, and it's what everybody always wanted—an adult version of Snow White. <sighs> yeah, I remember this movie being insanely popular, though. You know, I just remember it being around everywhere. I mean, like in the video store when I was growing up. And I don't know. I just remember hearing a lot about it. It's been always been a popular rental for us as well. 
Um, I've never seen this one, though. This is weird because it feels like something that you would have bought or watched. I know, yeah. It was something that's like definitely just been in my consciousness forever. I almost feel like I've seen it because it was just around so much, but I've never actually sat down and put it on. And it was on. almost the blind buyer this week, but no, we dodged that bullet and we watched something else. What will that be? Stay tuned. This is my new strategy on this podcast. I'm going to like pitch what we're going to talk about soon. So people are like, I got to keep listening. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. I like that. Stay tuned, folks. We got some juicy stuff We're going to talk uh, like it's a cereal. We're like, oh no, we've run into a problem <laughs> will we get out of it listen to find and out then it gets to that point and it's just like a total letdown <laughs> i'm not gonna lie the next thing that we're gonna talk about i may have to come by and pick up because it's battlefield earth uh and it's a mill creek release but what happened did the scientology get behind it there is 70 new minutes of bonus yeah features. this is crazy the amount of effort that mill creek put into this release uh because as we know, they never put any work into their releases. Snow White, uh, Tale of Terror, has, like, nothing on it. That's just, like, a straight Blu-ray upgrade. But, yeah, for some reason, Battlefield Earth, and they announced this a couple months ago when they were, they, they had announced it first, and then they announced what the specs were going to be on it. And they have all the features that were on the original DVD, which was already a Which lot. was a big special yeah, edition I at the time. Yeah, I have that DVD. Yeah. It's, like, pretty, it's a pretty good DVD. It's got, like, a ton of stuff on it. But they've added more. Uh, but I have to say, it doesn't have two things that I would have really liked this release to have. A, a commentary, a commentary with, John with John Travolta. <laughs> who, I don't know if he wants to touch this movie with a 10-foot pole anymore. I'm not sure. But I remember, considering how like you know insanely enthusiastic he was about this during the making of, it's a little sad that even he can't come back around and like just talk about it for a little bit. But also, they don't have, they didn't put the original theatrical cut on this either. It is still, as far as I'm aware, the edited for home video cut. That Wait, was... what changed? Because I saw it in theaters with my dad. Oh, you saw it in theater. Wow, you're lucky. Because I only ever saw it on VHS when it first came out. And even at that point, so when they released it, because it was such a huge bomb, obviously, when they released it to VHS and DVD, they touted it as a new special edition, like an unrated, like director's cut kind of version. But all it was is they took out some of the, uh, like, more comedic scenes. There were some comedic punchlines that they took out. They added some more. If you, if you want to know all about this, ask, uh, you know, friend of the podcast, Mike Wood, who is well-versed on the Battlefield Earth theatrical versus director's cut uh, or I video went, cut. Uh, as a changes. kid, through a weird L. Ron Hubbard phase unaware of what Scientology was. Like, I had no idea what it was. My dad picked up Battlefield Earth, the novel. He read it. He had fun with it. And so he gave it to me. I don't think I read all of it, but it was just like cheap Edgar Rice Burroughs style adventure. There's no hint of Scientology anywhere in those books, from what I recall. He wrote this like 10 book series about a guy who wants to destroy the Earth. And I read a bunch of those as well. Like the spine is like a big fist. They were really funny. Like they were like funny books and they were like following a bad guy because L. Ron Hubbard was just a pulp author who was like. That's all that he was. Who then yeah. just created a religion and everybody like took it seriously, even though he was a pulp author. <laughs> I'm curious of when he passed away and how evil he was at that point. Or is there like people under him who took over his religion and they really exploited it and took 
you know, um, rich people and blackmailed them. Yeah. I mean, I think L. Ron Hubbard wasn't the nicest guy. No, I, I think believe. he was a jerk. Yeah. yeah. So he died in the 80s. Uh, yeah. In the mid 80s. And I'm pretty sure he was a bit of a jerk and had some pretty regressive views about things. I've seen him in The Master. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've seen that. Um, I remember reading, I think he had wanted to make a Battlefield Earth adaptation as early as, like, the 70s or something, and it just never got off the ground. I think it was something that wanted – was, like, in kind of the works for a while, and then some reason – I think it was after John Travolta finally got big again after Pulp Fiction that he finally kind of, like, took this project on single-handedly and basically, like, strong-armed producers and studios into, like, giving him money I wonder to make why. Movie. Like, there must be Scientology messaging in this. I don't remember it when I was a well, kid. that's the thing. I – yeah, like it was the film's 20th anniversary this year. God help us all. And I wrote I wrote a like a retrospective piece on it. So I was doing a bunch of research on it at the time about like how it came together and everything and just about the messaging in it. Because I watched the film again earlier this year and it doesn't have a lot of overt Scientology in it. Like you can really you can look into it and find Scientology aspects to it. And there's some weird the, the way they talk about like faith and gods and stuff is a little strange here and there. But if nothing like if you weren't really thinking about it, you don't really notice anything. So and I think John Travolta and, and some of the producers at the time like definitely said no, we're not putting Scientology messaging in this. Like, this is just, we just want to create a big sci-fi adventure to rival, like, Star Wars, I think he said at the time. And, you know, it's just going to be what it is, just a fun sci-fi adventure. I'm looking to see if Roger Christensen or um, just Roger Christian was a Scientologist. I can't find any reference to it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was an interesting, like, he directed The the Sender in the 80s, which was a, is a cult favorite, I know, and then kind of fell off. Yeah, he hasn't directed much. And I think Battlefield Earth was going to be maybe his, like, big return to, like, or his big studio film. He was, and, you know, obviously that killed his career kind of before it even started. He famously um, directed a short film that appeared on the UK prints of, I think, Empire Strikes Back? called Black Angel. Because he was a protege, I believe, of George Lucas, was he not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He okay. was. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, watching the movie again this year, I mean, the effects are better than maybe some other two mid two. I remember effects. it being so boring and having more Dutch angles than Thor. Well, that's the funniest thing about it is the Dutch angles. This entire movie is, I would say 95% of this movie is shot with Dutch angles. It's like, and in the most ridiculous moments where you don't, it doesn't even need to have a Dutch angle and it actually makes things feel weirder. There's scenes where two people are talking to each other and it literally looks like they're on a hill or something and one guy is up higher or lower. It just doesn't make any sense the continuity of this holy film. shit roger christian directed in 2016 a joseph and mary movie oh, starring yes. kevin sorbo i remember <laughs> reading about that so you know he's directed some stuff he directed a sci-fi movie with christian slater i think about a decade ago called stranded i think or something oh Maybe yeah stranded, stranded that's right. 2013 like that. yeah so he keeps he still is directing. he made masterminds the home alone that's off. what it is yes which i am a big fan of i still own my vhs copy of uh masterminds I want to know why there's so many so. special features on this movie. And they got everybody to come in. It's crazy. Well, they basically got a lot of, like, special features from the effects crew. Because I remember 
the big thing they were always trying to sell on this movie were the effects like on my dvd copy the back like the description of it basically just talks about how the effects are out of this world and the mind-blowing effects i think it references the effects like three different times on the back you're like okay i get it the effects are you know you spent a lot of money on the well i mean i'm looking here there's an interview with the director an interview with the screenwriter an interview with the composer an interview with the model maker and commentary with patrick tatapa Populous, basically the guy who made all the ugly underworld films and the ugly Godzilla design and any 2000 monsters are his. There's a funny story that someone told me he was working on a movie, probably like Total Recall, and he was working under uh, Patrick Tatapopoulos, and uh, he had a little Godzilla figurine on his desk from the Roland Emmerich film, and Patrick just walked in and he's like, this doesn't look so bad. Why were people so mean about it? And then he put it back down and walked out. Uh, it just makes me think of him like on opening night of Godzilla in like 98, him just like sitting alone at home, shedding I tears. I think that they the shot a lot reaction. of that movie practical and they redid it with CG after the fact. This is Godzilla? Godzilla, yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably. All right. So yeah, Battlefield Earth, Mill Creek. So it's cheap? It's cheap. I mean, it's like, I think it's 20 bucks. So maybe it's a little more than, you know, their, some of their more bare bones releases. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't. I mean, this is like a good, bad movie. I mean, it's Battlefield Earth. We all know what Battlefield Earth is by now. It's a huge bomb. I mean, I love movies like this, especially when they're huge vanity projects, which this totally is for John Travolta. I mean, Travolta is hilariously bad in this with his, like, dreadlocks and his, like, his, like, nose apparatus thing. Like, his whole look is hilarious to me. And he really, like, he gives it his all. I mean, you can't really say he's not trying. So, I mean, it, it was a huge failure. I'm glad it's finally out on Blu-ray. I'm glad it has so many special features. But I am not, I will not rebuy this because I already have the DVD and I just, I want that Travolta commentary and I want that original cut. How hard can I'm it be to get the original that, cut? Uh, I don't own the DVD. That's That seems like a hole in my collection, considering it's such a, a big part of my childhood. I remember seeing it in theaters and leaving and going, this is bad. <laughs> I don't like this. You know what? Even when I saw it on VHS when it came out, even I thought it was kind of bad, too, as a kid. I was like, yeah, this isn't very good. But it kind of stuck with me. And, you know, the DVD's been out of print for years. That's probably why it was so hard to find. I managed to snag a used copy at, uh, at like, a used store in Toronto years ago. I feel like it was always in those bargain bins though for like 2.99 i think it was yeah i think there were a lot of copies of it around and then it was just like discontinued and all those copies kind of disappeared and then people were like where do i get battlefield earth so moving on to the well yeah no one said that that. (laughs) moving on the classics we have uh, uhd releases of 300 and shutter island i mean let's do the uhd run yeah if you gotta complete your collection i guess you're a big 300 fan i remember being so excited for 300 when it came out so excited i saw it like atmos sound which was new i'm like yeah bring it on oh yeah I think this was my most anticipated movie that year. <laughs> I think. Why? I just, I thought the trailer was so cool because they used that. I'm not even like a Frank Miller fan. I just. You like, love uh, Zack Snyder. You're yeah. a Snyder well, cut man. Well, you know, I was a big Dawn of the Dead fan at that point. So that definitely uh, helped. But you know what more? I was a big Nine Inch Nails fan and they used that Nine Inch Nails song in the trailer and it was just so. I want to fuck you like an animal. Uh, just like, just like you imagined. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> They should have used that one. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I remember liking 300 in theaters when I saw it, but I have never revisited it. Very so. xenophobic. <laughs> probably very xenophobic. Yeah. Um, but I mean, no, I guess oh, not if probably. I, I could tell you. Yes, it is. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. There's no probably about this. But I guess if you're yeah, if you need something to show off your ultra HD player. I mean, no, no. All right. 
I'm banning that sentence from this podcast. Know, You're not allowed to say. <laughs> well, well, that's the only reason people buy Ultra HDs. Is that not? Is it not? Your friends don't <laughs> care. They don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Shutter Island, it's a movie I feel like I need to revisit because I didn't like it when I saw it. I think that it's big twist is so obvious and the way that it's revealed in the film is so lame, but you know, it's Scorsese having fun. I wish he had made it like 80 minutes, which is the movie he's trying to imitate. So, you know, why is it two hours and change? Come on. That's the thing. It is clearly like a trashy movie and you know, I just wish he, you know, Scorsese's not the kind of guy that's going to go too trashy. Like, you know, even Cape Fear or something is a little more like elevated and artsy. I wish that like all filmmakers like, they love those 80, 70-minute movies. Why don't they make movies that are that long? I don't get it. Yeah, yeah I don't get it either. Because you're right. I feel like my it is movie spin. is important, so it should be long. It's like, no, fuck you. No, make your movie short like the ones you like. Totally. And especially when the twist is so painfully obvious, like, right from the beginning, like you said. It's just, uh, it's hard to, like... It's hard to keep going with it when it keeps going on and on and on. And you're like, oh, well, maybe is there something more to this? Maybe? No, there's nothing no. more to this. You know, he's just and crazy. And, like, the twist is revealed in the most leaden fashion possible. You're like, oh, it's about the journey, Mark, not the destination. All I right, know. I guess. It's just like, you know, like when that kind of twist was, like, in vogue, like, after, I guess after Fight Club came out. I feel like there were that decade after, like, there were so many movies like that. And it just feels like with Shutter Island, he just kind of, like, came late to the party with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, but it's his homage to, like, Michael Powell and Val yeah, Newton. Sure. Okay, that's cool. Make your minute 75 yeah, minutes exactly. long, Yeah, exactly. Those movies were all 75 minutes. <laughs> uh, maybe not the Michael Powell ones, but definitely the Val Newton ones. Definitely the Val Newton ones, yeah. But, you know, this movie does look really nice, I guess. I, I, I would love, actually, now that I think about it, I would love to corner Sp- uh, Scorsese somewhere and be like, why don't you make 70-minute movies? Like, like just honestly ask yeah. him. <laughs> all, right, all right, Marty, I got a question for you. Where are the 70-minute films? He's like, I I don't know. Why haven't I been doing that? <laughs> uh, we also have Pierre Rolefou from Criterion. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, this is this is just a straight re-release. I mean, this was available before, um, like a decade or so ago. Um, and it went out of print. Uh, I thought Kino might be putting this out because it was one of those like Studio Canal kind of things that they lost. But I guess Criterion got the rights back. But this is exactly the same edition that came out um, like 10 years ago. So if you already have the old edition, then just hold on to that. Great movie, though. Really. We like also this. have Little Nothings, which is a French film that Arrow's putting out. Uh, I was looking up the reviews. This movie is not well liked. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because yeah. it's from a director that's well-liked, I think. Is right? it? It's... Oh, I don't know. I didn't recognize his name, and when I clicked on it, there were no movies that I saw. Yeah, it is from... I think it's from Cedric... Cedric Kubisch. Don't know that name. Yeah. I think we actually have another film from him coming up in the new section, actually. So this is going to be a double hit of Cedric Klapish this year. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, at Letterboxd right now. There's three reviews, and it's two stars, one and a half star, three stars. Yeah, I don't know. I guess he's one of those directors who's a little more famous in France. I guess he's most known for doing um, Russian Dolls. That was a big film. Uh, and L'Auberge Espagnol. You remember those? Those were kind mm, of with Audrey, nope, never saw Audrey Totu was in them. And they were big, like, French ensemble comedies in, like, the early 2000s. Um, but I don't, yeah, Arrow's starting to get into some of this like late '80s, '90s like French art house hits because they did uh, Life, uh, Life and Nothing More or something like that. 
like they've been doing a bunch of these so i don't know if this is some like contractual thing they've got with a french company or something <laughs> yeah, i don't yeah. know because they're, de- they're definitely not selling that well because yeah i don't know if people maybe know too much about these films but i don't know i mean they put the the arrow touch on them so they're all loaded with we also features. have equation to an unknown being released by altered innocence and this is a long lost masterpiece of gay erotic cinema i believe this is hardcore pornography this too is, right? yeah i've actually seen this film because i was supposed to do a review of it before when they altered innocence first released this back in the spring and i got a screener for it and watched it then so apparently this is the film that um inspired um knife and heart the french horror film recently uh I'm yeah blanking. the giallo takeoff oh, you know what i haven't seen that movie um yeah i still haven't actually seen that either but i hear it's great but the director of that um yan gonzalez i think yan gonzalez is actually part of m83 like the band m83 and he just started oh, making yeah, films yeah, and yeah. stuff so he made this but apparently he found i guess a print of this somewhere and watched it and it inspired him to make Knife and Heart. Now, Equation to an Unknown is not a horror film at all. It is just straight, hardcore, gay uh, erotica. But it is, it's definitely pretty artsy, though. It is way more art house than you might associate with porn, basically. But um, it, it was... Oh, I watch a lot of arty porn, Mark, so through to the important cinema club. <laughs> Thanks to Will Sloan, yes. Yeah, but this was a pretty, like, I mean, it's basically pretty plotless. It's just about a young guy, you know, riding around on a motorcycle, having, like, you know, illicit encounters with dudes and back alleys and stuff like that on the side of the road. It's that kind of thing. But it's done with a real kind of, like, I don't know, almost like a French New Wavy kind of artistry that I found sort of uh, interesting. So... Yeah, I, I thought this was pretty fascinating stuff. I mean, obviously, you got to know what you're getting into. It is hardcore erotica, um, so there's a lot of sex in it. But um, I don't know. It's pretty intriguing, and Altered Innocence has put together a really nice package for and this. And we also have a seemingly uh, similar-sounding, but not really, Technolust, <laughs> a 2002 film starring Tilda Swinton and Jeremy Davies. Ooh, this sounds interesting. The cover's awesome. It's Tilda Swinton with... Uh, half her face being star kid. So this is from an interesting director, actually, Lynn Hirschman Leeson, who is kind of like an avant-garde director who's only made a few films. She also did Conceiving Ada, and they've all starred Tilda Swinton. She did Conceiving Ada, Ada in the late 90s and then a movie called Strange Culture, Culture in 2007. And they're all like really experimental, kind of like docu-fiction hybrids almost, although Techno Lust, I believe, is like purely fictional. But they all have to do... They're kind of like that. They all have to do with like computer technology as it was sort of like emerging in the 90s, you know, like that kind of thing, like like Chris Markers, like level five, like that when all these like arty directors were getting into like, what do computers? Yeah. What do computers mean? Or like Olivier Assayas, like demon lover, you know, that kind of wave of stuff that was happening. So um, I haven't actually seen this one, but I've always been interested just because, I mean, Tilda Swinton always does pretty fascinating stuff. And I just really like that, like, 90s, like when, when these art house directors were really getting into, like, computer How much technology. time before Tilda Swinton makes a Marvel movie? Oh, she already did. What am I saying? She's in Doctor Strange. She already did. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Strange and everybody uh, got yeah, mad at her sure. for it, right? <laughs> uh, so we also have The Ground Star Conspiracy, released by Kino. A break-in and sabotage attempt occurs at Top Secret Research Institute. 
and the culprit is cap cornered and captured. The problem is that he's been badly injured and claims to have lost his memory enti- entirely. A cat and mouse game ensues between investigator. Oh my god, this is a big popular like um, New Beverly movie. Like they show it there all the time. I yeah, believe. people like this. And actually, this and the next two films on this list, PJ and Newman's Law, are all George Pappard starring films. So I guess they. Do you like George Pappard? <laughs> I like George Pappard. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I don't know him that well. I don't think I've don't ever really... seen an episode of the A Team, but I think I saw some of his later, like, sweaty right, war films right. that he made for, like, European producers. Yeah. So, I mean, well, Kino's got the George Pappard collection going down this week with those three. Um, Grand Star Conspiracy has been out before, but I think PJ and Newman's Law has never hit DVD before. So, all you Pappard heads we out there. <laughs> also, have The Secret of My Success, uh, Michael J. Fox film. <laughs> about uh, a well-educated kid from Kansas has always dreamed big of making in New York. But once in New York, he learns that jobs and girls <laughs> are hard to get. Yeah. It wow. kind of just sounds like, what, Bright Lights, Big City, but a comedy version, I guess? Or, yeah. yeah, not like an American Psycho version. It's directed by Herbert Ross, the guy who directed Footloose, The Last of Sheila, played again, Sam, Steel Magnolias, uh, Pennies from Heaven, and everyone's famous, the prequel, sequel to Goodfellas, yeah. My Blue Heaven. <laughs> Have you ever seen My Blue Heaven, where essentially Steve Martin yeah, plays the no, Ray Liotta I've, I've role always from, been intrigued uh, just by like, the cover art alone on that one. But no, I've never watched that. I those. mean, Steve Martin and Rick Moranis together at last. How Oof. could you yeah. toss that away? Oh, man, it's a real uh, Michael J. Fox double bill, because we also have The Hard Way. From our man, John Badham, right? <laughs> I saw The Hard Way during my John Badham <laughs> Uh, walkabout okay. yeah i did it's fun that's what i always hear yeah michael j fox plays like a kind of scuzzy stuck up hollywood actor who teams up with grizzled cop james wood and wants to follow him on his beat to learn about like credibility for a role he has to take doesn't this one have like a uh, screenplay by someone like larry cohen or maybe i'm just thinking of cop oh no lem lem dobbs lem dobbs wrote the story and the screenplay that's Yikes. why uh, yeah. I mean, uh, this one's fun. I wonder if it has any spe- special features on the keynote because John Badham doesn't usually get involved in those. He's no John Frankenheimer. He doesn't. I don't uh, think there's much. Yeah. I think this and the secret of my success are pretty bare bones kind of catalog uh, no, releases uh, from keynote. I uh, was mistaken. The Hardway has commentary new by John Badham. Uh, really? Producer, no second unit wow. director Rob Cohen. Uh oh. Uh, and film historian, uh, film uh, Daniel Kramer. Well, you read about that thing that like Rob Cohen's daughter, uh, the statement she put out, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did. Not yeah, good. Yikes. Well, yeah. I'm glad that at least there's a commentary me. with John Badham on it. Yeah. No James Woods commentary, though. <laughs> the problem with James Woods, and I feel like we've talked about this before, is that he's so much fun to watch on screen. He is, but what an asshole. Like Digstown? <laughs> oh, so good. What a piece of shit, though. He's no such more roles a piece for of him. shit. Yeah, I always loved him growing up, and man, he is such a He's dick. so good in The Simpsons, too, in that episode where he works at the Quickie Mart. <laughs> he's so funny in that episode. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I did Chaplin, I time-traveled back to the 30s to see how they lived. <laughs> uh, yeah, a joke. Yeah, that's a Hallmark episode right there. <laughs> and uh, that led to that great meme of um, Apu jumping in front of James Woods to take a bullet. And it's like uh, um, someone gently critiquing Elon Musk. And then it's like weird nerds jumping in front of the bullet. <laughs> All right. And moving on, we have The King and I the animated version of the Roger and Hammerstein musical 
One that I did not check out when no, it was released. I, I never saw that. I guess I was maybe 12 when this came out. Even then, I think I was a little too old for a King and I animated movie, but... I remember when it that's came like out. That's like sub Don Bluth ripoff. Yeah, that's the thing. I had totally forgot this movie even existed until um, ordering it in here. I was like, but uh, but yeah, I guess because I don't even think there's much star it power. It was a in Rankin it, really. and Bass production. Oh, so is that it, what it is? Yeah, wow. that's what it was. Because I always get it confused with Anastasia, another movie I didn't see when it came out. Me neither. Me neither. Uh, but yeah, remember this. When are we going to get a release of Titanic 2? That's what I'm waiting <laughs> to come out. Um, and we also have Big Bully and Wrongfully Accused. <laughs> now, this is a double feature, ladies and gentlemen. I uh, recently watched Wrongfully Accused. There's still some funny jokes in it. Um, a lot of it lands really flat. But that that men's room joke still holds up. It's pretty good. I, I have to admit, I'm a big fan of Wrongfully Accused, only because I watched it like maybe like 10 times when I was a kid. That yeah. train scene still holds up. Still oh, very funny. so funny <laughs> when he's running from the train and it's like <laughs> hiding from the bushes. What, and it's what you have to remember is that Wrongfully Accused is a parody of The Fugitive because in the 90s, people had fugitive fever. I that's a movie people don't watch anymore, right? Like, no one ever talks about I it. I really like The Fugitive. I remember rewatching it a couple, no, maybe not, like five years ago or so, and it still holds up. Like, it's still a pretty good thriller. Oscar-winning performance from uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I love Tommy Lee Jones in it, but yeah, Oscar-winning performance. Enough to love U.S. Marshals as well, I, the spinoff of The Fugitive. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something here. I do love U.S. Marshals, too. But I also saw U.S. Marshals about 100 times when I was a kid because it was, like, Wait, always on TV. Wait, there's a whole episode that uh bay street video super fans where i make fun of you for saying that you love the director of u.s marshals and i don't remember what right. his name is stuart he's an ex stuart Baird. Baird. Stuart Baird. Yeah. yeah yeah and i quiz you about movies and you're like i've never seen any yeah of well i've seen that in executive decision because i think he did that right <laughs> yes he did do that as well that was okay I mean, i've never seen big bully man it's a real rick moranis yeah day this week, i've or... uh, never seen big bully either i just always remember that obnoxious poster of him and tom arnold like on the at the video store wall when i was growing up but uh, yeah, never they were saw so, that. It looks so much like uh, Father's Day, the Billy oh, Crystal yeah. Robin Williams poster. And not quite, but the blank background reminds me of What About Bob? Oh, yeah. The, uh, yeah, I get that. Uh, Bill Murray film. I mean, this one's directed by the he- comedy heavyweight behind Soul Man, Steve Miner. <laughs> Steve Miner, I know. I saw that. Um, yeah, I mean, I like, I like Steve Miner's horror stuff sometimes. But, oh, uh, yeah, I mean, Steve I Miner... I never got to watch the movie I wanted to watch uh, that was directed by him because early on, our first blind buy, I thought I was picking his film Texas Rangers to watch, and it wasn't. It was American Outlaws. <laughs> and you know what? I would have preferred to watch Texas Rangers too, but I I have our you I have our sold off DVD rental of Texas Rangers at home. If you ever want to watch that, so if you ever want to get together and watch that after COVID, Steve Miner, Steve Miner directed the awful Day of the Dead uh, remake. Yeah. And there's a really funny commentary track on that movie where they try to justify the film that they made. I would <laughs> highly recommend. <laughs> uh, and, okay, so now we're moving on to new stuff. Oh, man. 
There's so much we, new stuff. We got a lot of new movies. Yeah, not not much collectible stuff this week, but a lot of. So new we got Shit's Creek, the complete series. People love the show. Yeah, hot off of its Emmy wins, its historic Emmy wins. I guess I don't know. People in the U.S. go crazy for this uh, show. So we also have uh, Star Trek Picard season one. I have never been the biggest Star Wars fan. I watched the first two episodes of this. It was fine. I thought that they were gonna like kill off Jean-Luc Godard like in the first episode. <laughs> And be like, it's about new people. <laughs> but no, he's in it throughout. So yeah. that's cool. It's nice to see him back on the sh- big screen, I guess. Yeah, people were really excited about this. We were getting asked when this was coming out on DVD, basically, like as soon as it started airing on TV. Um, and I have to say, I'm not, obviously, I'm not much of a TV watcher or Star Trek watcher, but I watched a ton of Next Generation when I was a kid because my mom was obsessed with it. So, yeah, I don't know. I probably saw... Had she been watching Picard? I don't think so. I don't think her, I think her Star Trek, you know, I think it was just like for next generation and then she just didn't care about Star Trek anymore. Do you think she would enjoy it if you like gave it to her? I mean, she wouldn't watch probably. it because she's She probably wouldn't watch it. Yeah. She doesn't watch DVDs. She, she'll watch it maybe if it's like on TV or streaming. Everyone's somewhere. back though. Like the whole cast and crew from like a next generation. I don't know. I always enjoyed next generation when I was a kid, um, but I can't say I've ever rewatched any of it. I watched so much Voyager when I was My a kid. My mom also liked Voyager. <laughs> like, I don't know why that was my dad's favorite show i mean she loved picard because supposedly the second lead is um a seven of nine Yeah, she liked seven of nine the uh borg from uh yeah, jerry ryan right <laughs> the only star trek she didn't like at that time was deep space nine because she thought it was too mm, weird right so moving on we have the tax collect i never watched deep space nine <laughs> yeah me neither i don't know <laughs> Uh, moving on, we have The Tax Collector, another generic-looking David Ayer movie. Keeps making these, man. <laughs> People, stop going to yeah, go well, see this, him. Uh, this kind of harkens back to his earlier... Apparently, this is the same universe as Training Day and Harsh Times because... I mean, I watched this, but I didn't realize it. Uh, some of the characters are mentioned that are in Training Day or Harsh Who Times. Cares? So I don't know. David Ayer is trying to create this whole L.A. crime world or something. Um, he's really fascinated with Latin culture, though. That's definitely, you know. And he's not. Like, I thought that he was, and he's not. Yeah. No. Um, so, yeah, I did watch this mostly because Shia LaBeouf's in it, and I'm obsessed with Shia LaBeouf. So, unfortunately, he's more of a supporting character in this movie, though. Uh, no, but he yeah. got all those tattoos for this movie. I know. And you know what the hilarious thing is? He never actually takes his shirt off at any point like he got his chest tattooed for this apparently he doesn't actually take his shirt off the only time he has his shirt off is spoiler alert so if you actually want to watch this movie you know skip ahead he dies a brutally vicious death about a third uh, you know two-thirds of the way through the movie and uh that's the only time he has his shirt off because they're like torturing him but he's covered in blood so you don't even see any of these famous tattoos that he got well so. famous in the world of Shia LaBeouf uh, people because I only heard that from oh, you yeah. but I have to admit Shia LaBeouf is pretty entertaining when he is on screen in this he plays a like a mysterious hitman guy named who's literally named Creeper and apparently is some like feared hitman like we all are scared of Shia LaBeouf or something but the problem with this movie is like it sets up this criminal underworld where it's like Shia LaBeouf and this other guy the lead played by Bobby Soto who basically kind of like run their this criminal enterprise although they report to like higher gangland people and so you see them trying basically they collect taxes from you know the drug dealers and everything and they basically you know go into these places and they act all hard and everything but then you know they get back in their car and in true David Ayer fashion they just drive around for most of the movie just like shooting the shit and just like telling jokes and just you know I don't know it's just like 
a day in the life of like you know two guys who collect money for gang debts and stuff and the problem is like the mix of that like colloquial humor and everything and that like extreme violence and like gang posturing kind of thing just like really doesn't mesh well at all so you can't really take any of it seriously and then it just like devolves into like a really bloody violent like revenge story in the last half hour no thanks not for me (laughs) yeah it's pretty bad it's pretty bad but i mean it's like exactly what you'd expect from a david ayer movie at this point yeah if you liked training day and harsh times you might get something out of this uh if you didn't, uh, stay stay far away. I remember going to see Harsh Times actually in theaters when it came out with a couple friends of mine, and they were so bored and annoyed with it. They were like, they wanted to leave. They kept whispering in my ear, like, can we please, for the love of God, just leave already? And I was like, you guys can leave, but I'm staying, I'm staying to the end of this. I'm staying to the end. And I didn't even like the movie, but I'm like, I got to see it through. I got to see it through. So we also have Save Yourself, which is about a young Brooklyn couple who head upstate, disconnect their phones, and miss up Whoa. their planet this is, is really under funny, attack. I don't know. I haven't seen this, but got pretty good reviews. Yeah, pretty well-reviewed indie comedy. Uh, we also so. have I Used to Go Here, which is following the launch of her new novel. Uh, Kate Conklin is invited to speak at her alma mater by her mentor and former professor. After accepting the invitation, Kate finds herself deeply enmeshed in the lives of an eccentric group of college students. <laughs> it stars Jermaine from Flight of the Concords and Oh, I like Jermaine. I Jillian, mean, he takes real. Jillian Jacobs, who is also funny. Oh, but, um... I mean, Jillian Jacobs, who's like, you know, they say Diet Pepsi's not good for you, but I just love the taste. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen those commercials? Uh, yeah, I have. Do you know those were directed by Paul Feig? What? No. Yeah, okay. it's like... I mean, I'm not surprised by that. I have 10 houses I need to pay off. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> Um, we have go back to China. When party girl Sasha Lee blows through most of her trust fund, she is cut off by her father and forced to go back to China and work for her family toy business. Eh, that sounds interesting, kind of. Again, another indie. We got a lot of indie comedies that were well-reviewed, but, you know. Oh, this one is not well-reviewed. Don't, <laughs> don't know much about them. Letterbox but... is a great way to just look at the average score and see, like, ratings. <laughs> Because you can just look at the right and see actual graphs of star ratings. So it's not, you know, how people are like, oh, percentage, Rotten Tomatoes. How do you know if it's good or bad? Like yeah. looking at a graph, you can actually see like what people think it's the averages. <laughs> so yeah. uh, The Secret Garden, a young British girl born and reared in India, loses her neglectful parents in an earthquake. She has returned to England to live at her uncle's castle. Her uncle's very distant, blah, blah, blah. Wait, is this like The Secret Garden, the movie people love? So it's a new version of The Secret Garden, basically. I have never seen The Secret Garden. Have are you? Are you kidding me? Like the 90s one? Yeah, I would highly recommend it. It was directed by Agnieszka Holland, so it's got like some art film cred, and it was shot by Roger Deakins, so it looks beautiful. But uh, the new Secret Garden, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of like a <laughs> new British. It's just they figured they needed a new Secret Garden. I mean, it's got all your favorite British stars like Colin Firth and Julie Walters in it. So Man, they have so many bills to pay, don't they, that they have to act this much? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's like a lot more effects laden than the 90s version. And I don't know. It looks really like sparkly and... <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm we also good. have The Wonderland. It's this week's animated uh, release. So, uh, The Wonderland is a story that follows a cane, a girl with no self confidence. On the day before her birthday, she meets a mysterious alchemist, Hippocrates, and their student Pippo, who both tell they're on a mission to save the world. 
Uh, so she joins in and she goes and saves him. Where's this movie from? <laughs> it's obviously, oh, Japan. Japanese, yeah. It's from the director uh, from Kaichi Hara, who made Summer Days with Ku, which is uh, definitely a favorite among anime fans, and also recently made Miss Hokusai. So, yeah, I mean, he's fairly big in the anime community, I guess, but I, I don't, I haven't seen his stuff. Sounds like so you're I'm becoming sure. an anime expert, uh, Mark. Yes, I am. No, I'm not at all. <laughs> so we also have Ashfall. Uh, this is a 2019 release from MPI. It's a South Korean, no, or Chinese movie. Yeah, it's South Korean. No, I think it's Korean. They yeah. love their disaster movies. Um, but yeah, it's like a big disaster film. I don't know, it's fun. Uh, I haven't ch- checked this out myself, but like... It's a volcano movie, so... Did a company not release Exit as an amazing South Korean disaster movie? Oh, I don't, we don't have that here, so I'm not sure if it's come out. It's really good. It has a great premise, which is, like, a family reunion is happening in a building when, like, poison gas um, escapes on the, like, streets and starts to elevate. So they have to get everybody out, and it ends with, like, a, a bunch of people having to, like, go from building to building, trying to find, like, a higher, like, elevation to, like, escape the gas. Yeah, I'm into that. That sounds great. Yeah, I don't know why Welgo didn't put it out. It was a huge hit in Korea, too. Uh, we also have The Cuban from 2019. When a young Afghan immigrant named Amina gets her first job in a nursing home, an unexpected relationship with Louis forms. Ooh, that sounds like a, you know, pull on your heartstrings kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, it's got Mr. Lou Gossett Jr. in a, you know, later, latter day performance. Apparently he's really good in this. This is also a Canadian film, actually. No. But I don't, I know. I don't know <laughs> if it actually takes place in Canada, though. Or Definitely anything, not. But There's no yeah. way, right? <laughs> but I guess the director, I think, might be Canadian. I don't know. It's, it's like officially a Canadian, like telefilm funded Canadian film. So I don't know, but I, I mean, I just hear a lot about Lou Gossett Jr. in this. So I guess. I mean, the director good. also produced Arctic Dogs from 2019. Ooh. <laughs> uh, that sounds probably like a CGI uh, Canadian film that they probably. Oh, man. Listen to this cast of characters on Arctic Dogs, the voice cast Jeremy Renner, Heidi Klum, James Franco, John Cleese. Michael Madsen, Laurie Holden, Angelica Houston, Alec Baldwin. Oh, the hits just keep coming. Oh, yeah. You don't remember we, we talked about this Did we talk about, about Arctic Dogs? We, yeah, earlier this year because we got it in here and we were like the same thing. Like, look at this cast. <laughs> uh, we oh, also man. have The Rest of Us. Uh, two mother-daughter duos must contend with their grief and complicated relationship with one another when the person who connects them dies. Oh, man, this is like a Gravitas dump film unless you've another, seen it. Yeah, another, ca- another Canadian uh, film here. Yeah. Yeah, I can so, just tell uh, by reading yeah. the synopses. <laughs> um, with starring Heather Graham, no! who, you know, I always liked back in the day. Um, and Sophie Nellis, who is like an up-and-coming French-Canadian actress. But it's uh, directed by Aisling... I'm going to mangle her name. Aisling Chinyi, who uh, has produced a lot of Canadian... She's a producer, mainly, of Canadian stuff. And I guess I think this is her directorial debut. I don't know. I heard decent things when it was at, you know, the Toronto um, International Film Festival. Did here. she direct anything else? Oh, yeah. She just made a f- documentary. Yeah. No Ordinary Man. Yeah. I think she was a producer on Rhymes for Young Ghouls, I believe. Yeah. Have you seen it yet, Mark? You said you were going <laughs> to. I have not. No. I, you know, I got a lot of time. We got a lot of time. <laughs> uh, we also have the true Don Quixote, where Tim Blake Nelson is a man who's safe and comfortable and bored with his life. In a state of despair, he looks to classic stories for inspiration. Do we need another Don Quixote movie starring Tim Blake Nelson? I feel like Tim Blake Nelson, like, uh, you know, Terry Gilliam wanted to make his own Don Quixote movie for like ever. And then, you know, Terry Wait, did Gilliam... he direct it? No, I didn't. But I just feel uh, like Tim okay. Blake Nelson is really like behind pushing this movie through or something. <laughs> 
um i don't know even know who directed this chris posh i don't know i guess you know if you want to see tim blake nelson beat on coyote here you here you go here's your chance but yeah it kind of just looks like a lesser version of the terry gilliam one which i never even saw anyway all so. these films we're talking about are films that would have played at the toronto national Probably, film festival yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like this definitely played at the Toronto Film Festival. And it would have been like a gala or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then nobody heard. Yeah, it was never heard from again until like three years later. And now it's on DVD. Um, yeah. And Tim Blake Nelson plays Jesus. Like that, uh, you know, the one where three actors play Jesus. What was that one called? Oh, yeah. Three Christ. Three Christ. <laughs> Uh, we also have Axis, a 2017 film directed by Aisha Tyler on the morning he is set to star in a career-changing blockbuster film. An Irish actor trying to live down his rocky past confronts a series of devastating events that threaten his sobriety. So I uh, I gave I gave this one a go because I, uh, I don't know, it sounded kind of interesting. Uh, so this movie desperately wants to be Locke, though, like the Tom Hardy movie Locke. Uh, it all takes place in this guy's car as he's driving around Hollywood. Uh when he's supposed to be like on set for his first day on like a Hollywood blockbuster and he's just taking calls from people. It's pretty badly written though. It's like, so the guy who plays this, the star of it, this Irish actor is, is an Irish actor named Emmett Hughes, who I've never heard of before. He also wrote the screenplay for this. So it's definitely like one of those labor of love. Aisha Tyler though, is a TV actress who's been on like criminal minds. Yeah. She's been in a lot of movies and she, I don't know how she hooked up with this guy, but like she's got she clearly has a lot of friends to come in and do voice performances because oh that's why i see like sam rockwell Rockwell shows up um thomas gibson you know like greg from dharma and greg and from criminal minds uh (laughs) plays like this guy's therapist who yeah he wants and i don't know if this guy's trying to make like allusions to colin farrell or something because he kind of like acts the part like Colin Farrell. I mean, they're both Irish, obviously, but in terms of like the hard partying past and everything, there's a lot of parallels to like Colin Farrell's career. too. Has Colin so I don't Farrell know. mellowed out? Is that part of his like history now? Or I okay. think so. Yeah, because he was a hard partier. Like he definitely went off the deep end a little bit. But now and he's then... making all those um, Yorgos Latimos exactly. films. Well, so that, that's another thing. What, yeah, at one part, um, you know, he doesn't want to do in this movie. He doesn't want to do this big blockbuster movie, but he's only doing it for the paycheck or whatever. But they keep talking about these like small he wants to keep doing his small independent art films and like everything. Tigerland and I'm like yeah okay like Colin Farrell I, I know anyways so I don't know this movie it looks okay like it's professionally made but it's just like the dial you can tell it's like this guy's like passion like labor of love but I also feel like he's a little too close to the script to like the dialogue just doesn't have a very good ring to it and he's just not as magnetic a performer as somebody like Tom Hardy. So, like, when you have to spend, like, an hour and a half just in a car with this one guy, it, like, kind of gets ridiculous It's after no a Tom while. Hardy, right? Yeah. yeah. And, it cu- and it has a ridiculously out of left field, like, ending that just is... <gasps> Werewolf? No. It just, like... Spoil it for me, Mark. I'm not going to watch this movie. So, like, the whole day he's, like, driving to his, like... I guess his partner's, his lover's house. I don't know. Some lady's house. He skips the first day of filming, but it's going to, because LA traffic is so bad, it's going to take him like an hour or so to get there. So it's like more or less real time, I guess, for for that. Uh, he finally gets to the house at the end of the day. He pulls out a, uh, a ring. So it's like, oh, he's going to propose to this lady. Okay, cool. 
Uh, and then he goes, he spends some time in, you know, in the back. He's getting like a bag out of the back. You're like, okay, whatever. And he's basically on the phone with Thomas Gibson as his therapist who's like talking to him. And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just, you know, going. I'm just going to, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you on set. He goes into this house. She lets him in. Door closes. And then there's a gunshot. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then it ends. That's and crazy. It ends with, and it ends with a quote, too. And I can't even remember the quote. It was like probably some like a uh, ne- uh, Nietzsche like or something out, like that. Yeah. Like you can't outrun your demons or something like that. But like, I don't know. I, I think I'm like, did I fall asleep for like five minutes or something? Because like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I feel like I missed something. We're uh, going to talk about falling asleep during a movie and thinking if we miss something later on. Uh, th- th- those are those drops that I'm doing just for this episode. I'm testing yeah, it out. Yeah, I like it. I like it. But anyways, Axis. I don't know. I mean kind of intriguing but also just like i don't really get it so (laughs) uh so moving on we have how about adolf which is a german comedy about a family getting together and uh a couple that's about to have a baby uh, announced that they want to call their son adolf that sounds funny funny. i don't know um yeah, I'm sure it's a hit on the on the a, international a comedy films. of manners. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, we got a lot of movies left, and I really want to talk about our blind buy. So we got to rush. Yeah, we got to get to the blind buy here. Let's do it. <laughs> so we got someone somewhere. What's this about, Mark? This is the uh, Cedric Clapiche film. <laughs> so this okay, is a, yeah, we talked so about this is his his moving on. Film. Yeah, whatever. Uh, and then we've got Tales from the Hood three. I enjoy. I really like Tales from the Hood one, the first one. Uh, Tales from the Hood two. It was fine. Uh, it had some. It had a really good opening segment. I, to be honest, I don't remember much of the cyborg at the end. It's not very good. And supposedly, Tales from the Hood Three is even a step down from that, which is Great. a bummer. Um, okay. Well, next up, we got To Your Last Death, which is an animated horror movie. Um, cool. which I don't know much about. Kind of just showed up, and I was like, "All right, what is this?" It's got. It's got it just, I yeah, didn't I even know, order this. this terrifying. But it's got names like William Shatner, Bill Mosley, Marina Baccarin, like Ray Wise does a voice. So a lot of cult figures. Edge of Tomorrow um, meets Saw. Okay, is that what it says? Yep, that's what it says. <laughs> all right. Ooh, um, it seems like these yeah, reviews yeah. though seem real. Oh, is it claymation or just normal animation? I think it's just normal animation. I feel yeah, like it's, it's probably Flash. Anim- I'm very curious to see like how it it's animated be, because there's no way. Yeah, it's got a weird look to it. Oh yeah, it's it's like an animated comic book. No, thank you. <laughs> Yikes. Alrighty then. Well, moving on, uh, we've got Blackwater Abyss, which is sort of a sequel to Blackwater, which was like a uh, crocodile. Oh, movie. I liked the first Blackwater. Yeah, you that was good. That, right? Yeah, I remember seeing that a long time. That was good. Not so to be confused is... with the submarine thriller starring John Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren, also called right, Blackwater. Yes, not that, not that Blackwater. But this is from the same directors. Uh, they're not like explicitly calling it a sequel, but I mean, it's called Blackwater Abyss. So I mean. Uh, so yeah, I hear this one's also fun. So if you like the first one and you like killer crocodile movies, check this out. Uh, then we got Before the Fire, which is a post-apocalyptic road movie type thing. I don't know. Just kind of kind of looks like The Road or something. Uh, and then we've got The Pale Door, which you watched, right? Oh yeah, I did. I got one over because there was an article about it in Fangoria and the director talked about how difficult it was to make uh, but because it's like a horror western and he got Joe R. Lansdale, who's an author that I love to executive produce the film and Joe R. Lansdale's son co-wrote the screenplay with the director and you don't really get what the movie is by reading the back or anything online, but I'll spoil it for people. It's a witch siege film, essentially a bunch of robbers rob a train and they end up in, uh, and one of the things that they rob, they like open it up and there's a young woman in it and they're like, what is this? This is so weird. 
And the woman leads him to like a town that's like a whorehouse and nothing else. Oh, sorry, not a whorehouse, a sex worker's palace. <laughs> <laughs> and uh oh, like all that. the women turn out to be witches and they grow like oh, witch chins and they're all burnt because okay. they look like they're like burnt witches. That's fun. Yeah, it is fun. It's really ambitious. It's very inexpensive and you can tell, but there's a really fun cast in the movie. Did you ever watch the TV show Happy Endings? No, I, I saw it here and there. Yeah, I thought it was funny when uh, I saw it. It's. I really love that show. And what's really funny is that the main lead in that show is like a cool cowboy in this movie. Oh, really? <laughs> Which is like, whoa, a little bit of dissonance. Uh, <laughs> there's also Noah Segan, who is, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, it, I like him. Yeah, he, he's, he's fun. Uh, Stan Shaw, the uh, connoisseur's Keith Carradine. You may know Stan <laughs> Shaw. He's in the Monster Squad. He plays the cop. He's in Daylight. He's the guy whose back okay. gets broken. He's in Rising Sun. He's in Jeepers Creepers 3. <laughs> Oh, okay. uh, and he has a big role Bill Sage who looks like Stacy oh, Keach's like son that. he yeah, has a really like good Bill role Sage. in it you know the thing I would compare it closest to is like Bone Tomahawk it's definitely going for that kind of feel and it like has a real big swing for an emotional ending that worked for me and I was pre-warned if I did not know that was going to happen I think I would have felt ripped off because there's no like gore action climax in the movie even though it has a big from Dust Till Dawn style sequence when like oh the witches reveal themselves and like falling from the ceiling and they're like gunning them and like blowing their heads off and stuff like that but after that scene there's nothing really like that there's actually a really good role as well from pat healy oh i like pat healy a lot yeah Yeah, he's he's really fun in this movie it's really fun too because it's like a siege film and unlike most of those pictures all the characters like themselves and like look out for each other so there's no like double crossing or like this is the bad guy it's just you know it's fun so I would recommend, and uh, as opposed to most, because this was a Shudder original, I believe, like it ended up on Shudder, there's special features, there's a little making of, there's a commentary track, and uh, yeah, so if you like horror, western, siege films, I would uh, remind, I would recommend checking this one out. We, we also have Yummy from 2019. Uh, I don't have any info for that on here, even though I recognize the title. Yeah, so this is another Shudder original um, that is a Belgian film, actually. Um, and yeah, it's about a young couple who travel to an Eastern European hospital for plastic surgery and then uh, bloody, violent things start to happen. I think it's a zombie. I think it's a oh, zombie, movie. zombie movie. Yep, yeah. it's a zombie movie. Uh, and then we've got an Arrow, uh, a new film from Arrow called The Deeper You Dig which apparently is supposed to be pretty good, but I wasn't really familiar yeah, with this Yeah, I saw some pretty like middling reviews about it, but I am very interested in the fact that it's a family affair, that it's like the dad and the mom directed it, the dad and the mom star in it with their children. <laughs> Which is very novel. And so Arrow's put together another like big pack for this. And they also have included the director's previous film or one of their previous films, uh, I think called The Hatred or something like that. Uh, yeah, I, I think they made movies it. like did they go viral at one point or were they raising money like on Kickstarter for this movie? I have a feeling they did because they've made like feature films themselves um like knucklejack i'm looking at some posters here the shoot and they look real cheap like um no money they just did them themselves and they call themselves the adams family because that's their last name so that's cute okay i like arrow doing this thing with indie filmmakers they did it with jesus, jesus shows you the way to the highway. highway yeah 
Yeah, like where it's like a full package and they include like an earlier film. Yeah, from the I think director. it's really cool. Arrow, get in on that Mickey Reese uh, territory. Oh, I know. They would be great for that, actually. I'm, I wonder if they are aware of him or have ever thought about reaching out to him for something like oh, that. Oh, definitely. You know? Because someone who uh, worked at Arrow, I know, is very good friends with Peter Kowalski, uh, okay. and he will not stop talking about <laughs> Mickey Reese. So I think the issue is that Reese is very uncomfortable with releasing his own movies yeah i can see that there's a reason why he made like 30 of them and never put them out so to get him to do it now he's a little bit like "Eh, i don't know i don't really feel like it fair enough so we also have a night of horror nightmare radio yeah this is an anthology (laughs) a new anthology movie so no we can we can just leave it at that yeah i don't know it's a new anthology film and then we've also got Eli Roth's History of Horror season one, which I I haven't yeah, watched any really e- uh, I haven't watched any episodes of this, but I, I heard it's it was good. I just good. don't really like Eli Roth. <laughs> he just like bothers me. No, he's one of those guys that it always feels like there's been like murmurings of like someone coming out to reveal he's a big piece of shit, but it never quite yeah, drops. He's he definitely has had some you know relationships with much younger women, and they feel like they, I don't know. I I know I remember a former customer used to come to the store actually went to film school with him at like nyu and said he was like a complete prick like he was just a total asshole there which i mean doesn't really surprise me um but yeah i mean i don't really like his movies either but i just there's something about his personality that just like rubs me the wrong way he just comes off like a douchebag so i don't know i can't say i've been like dying to see this but i have heard good things he definitely has a lot of famous people that he's got interviews with wait so was the friend I mean, that you went well to uh film school with the director of the girl next door no because <laughs> you've heard that story right no i that, like the guy called in eli called eli in that movie is based on eli Roth. no way interesting yep, he says it in the commentary track. i did not know that okay okay <laughs> the guy who's like come on let's watch porn together right, right. learn to love it <laughs> Uh, uh, so, all right, let's yeah, move on so to the, next some documentaries. We've got, uh, Our new president, which um, is actually a really interesting looking documentary, um, kind of follows on from the doc we were talking about a few weeks ago, Active Measures, about Russia's tampering with the U.S. election and and you know their involvement in Trump and everything. So this is the story of Trump's. Um, basically the election leading up to Trump's win all told through Russian propaganda. So it's kind of like a found footagey sort of like mashup collage film, uh, which got, yeah, rave reviews. It played at Sundance and everything. It's just taken a while to come to disc, but uh, looks like pretty fascinating. And stuff. we got some real uh, Chadwick Boseman exploitation. Yeah, so uh, RBC is putting out his film, the kill hole from 2012. Yeah, Throwback to 2012 here for two movies in a row. I mean, actually, that's, that's, that's pretty shameless. Cause you know that they're doing this because he passed exactly. away. Exactly. It actually, yeah. So it's, taken I, I don't know it was put out before like a couple of years ago but now it's being repressed so yeah i think it's just because he passed away and it's got like a big thing on the front saying from the star of black of like massive blockbuster black panther I'm like okay yeah we all know who chadwick boseman is um i threw this movie on because i was just curious and also because billy zane is in this as well so uh and also tori kittles who was really good in dragged across concrete um and I don't know really what else I've seen him in, but I know he's like a working actor for a while. And it's basically kind of like a little, a more like a pseudo artier, like Rambo first blood kind of thing where like Chadwick Boseman is 
you know, a, a former vet of Iraq and he's home. And he drives a cab and then he's like hired Wait, by. Isn't that what Chadwick Boseman also did in that film by the French director for, of Calvary? Yeah, Message uh, to the King. No, that was It was more... kind of similar where he's like a war vet and he's going yeah, in. He's busting this some one's heads. more like he's a damaged war vet who's like he's contacted by these like mercenaries, one of which is played by Peter Green, who was the who's like the bad guy in the mask, among like other things. Who's, <laughs> yeah. who's back um, and he's basically hired by them to go into the woods because Tori Kittle's character who was an also also a vet has like basically gone AWOL into the forest and has like killed somebody and he's like crazy out there so he's hired to go out there Billy Zane plays his like group meeting um, leader uh, so it's a real like one day Billy Zane yeah, showed up and sat yeah, in his basically, chair basically. Um, it's got some interesting stuff to it and I have to say you really do get to see Chadwick Boseman's acting talent like right away like the movie's not great but He's actually pretty decent in it. Um, all the actors are pretty decent in it. There's just like not a ton of dramatic heft to it after a while. Like once he gets into the forest and he meets up with Tori Kittles, it just kind of like it's this back and forth two hander that just doesn't really go anywhere after a while. But I don't know. It's kind of intriguing. What's the deal with the blue eyes this is a 2012 film uh, and it's coming out now. <laughs> yeah. So this is a weird. So this is from Indie Picks, which is a small label that, you know, we talked about before releases like really more obscure independent stuff that doesn't really find a home elsewhere. Um, but I actually watched this as this is a really interesting film. So I don't know what the story is, why it took so long. It doesn't seem like it played many festivals or anything. The first time I heard about this was because the Spectacle Theater in New York, who you're you're aware of, right? Because you guys Oh yeah, we've done screenings through Laser Blast. Yeah, you did screenings, like virtual screenings. So Mm -hmm. I I started looking into them after you guys were doing your Laser Blast screenings through them. And they, you know, show things virtually. Basically for anybody who doesn't know, they're a theater like a really small theater a in micro New York theater that, like 50 micro seats. theater yeah. yeah and they show really kind of like diy or like obscure art film stuff and they played this film as a virtual thing uh earlier this year and i missed out on it but i just read the description and i thought it sounded interesting um it's like it's a horror movie but it's done kind of like magic magic <laughs> it's almost got like a mumble corey kind of vibe to it but not in an like an irritating mumblecore way it is very much a horror movie like it's got a really like ominous score to it and it does follow the beats of a normal horror movie so it's about a couple an american couple that go to uh chiapas mexico i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right to basically um as kind of like a historical like they're checking out all the historical sites and the mayan sites and they basically have an encounter with a shape-shifting witch um and it kind of changes the guy in the relationship starts to act weird and gets sick and crazy and the and his partner doesn't really know what to do and it and it grows to really interesting places that I wouldn't expect it to go the other thing that I found really refreshing about this and I think probably because it's got a female director uh named Eva Eva Aragis who I don't really know beyond this movie but she's made some other films the uh female character in this who is basically the lead played by Allison Case um acts like a normal human being i i find a lot of horror movies even like newer horror movies the female characters kind of like act like idiots or they they act like subservient to the male character or something but when the male care when the when her boyfriend starts acting weird and basically starts acting rudely towards her and just doing all these weird things she calls him out right away she always takes like really logical steps to what her situation is which makes it really easy to like go along with her and just sympathize with the whole thing um and it's just a movie that kind of like gets you under its spell and you just go with it i will say there's a bit there's it's definitely a bit amateurish but 
I mean, that doesn't bother me. Um, and I think there's like a bit of like a camp value to it, but I think it's a purposeful camp value. And I don't know. I would just say don't read much about it. Just go into it. Uh, I thought it was really surprisingly good. Is this not a new release? Is this just a movie that you brought in? No, it is a new release. It came Weird. out for the first time now. Yeah, Indie Picks yeah. just put it out. I mean, it was a bit late. It came out like a month or so ago, but we just got it in now. But yeah, it's a brand new release. Um, it's never been out on disc until now. I mean, maybe it's been streaming certain places. I don't know if like Amazon Prime maybe I looked had. online. On Letterboxd, there's only one review. So it is a uh, yeah. not discussed film Honestly, at the all. only reason I brought it in is because I heard about it through Spectacle and it sounded really interesting. And then I saw it pop up as it was coming out on DVD. And I don't always order the indie picks stuff because it doesn't always move because it is really obscure. But with this one, I was like, you know what? It's like Spooktober. It looks really interesting. I'll watch it and definitely like try and push it. And I am going to push it because it is really, really good. It's definitely an offbeat kind of horror movie. So if you want something a little different for for Spooktober, I would say give this one a chance. For Spooktober. Sure. I've never heard anyone call it Spooktober. I call it Spooktober. <laughs> I love saying the word spook, but it seems to come with racial racial connotations. I guess I'm it like, does. Uh... I, I guess you're right. Well, I apologize. I no, no, no. You don't need I, to apologize. I, mean no, I, think... I mean no racial connotations. By yeah, because it's like the goofy way to say scary, right? It's like spooky. It is, yeah. Yeah, I've always, it's like Spooky House, like we talked about. <laughs> so we also have Solem, and did you watch this one? Because it's about reality TV stars that are trapped on an island. I threw this one on, but I, I can't say it. Oh, wait, you did? I, yeah. Yeehaw. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't say I made it through the whole thing. No, this movie's really terrible. Uh, so yeah, it is a Portuguese film, I believe. Let me just I mean, we could just go on from there if it's just real bad. Not much to say about it. Yeah, well, it's kind of intriguing. It's directed by the guy who played Jesus in that big, like, miniseries, The Bible, they did, like, (laughs) I don't know, 10 years ago or so. Uh, it's a Portuguese film. It is all in English, but it, yeah, basically it's like a survivor-esque thing where all these people are put on an island, but then it kind of turns into like a lost type thing where it's like a spiritual sort of reason they're here. And then it turns into like a sci-fi thing where they're actually like in the future and there's like a spaceship that they're going, I don't know. I was only kind of like half watching this at a certain point because it's just like so badly made. And I was like, <laughs> wait, they're on a spaceship? Yeah, like every what? time I looked up, I was like, what? Like, where are they now? I'm like so confused by this. But uh, yeah, this is this is pretty bad. Stuff. Speaking <laughs> of stuff that's not bad, it's finally time for the last movie. And it's very confusingly called The Second. So that's The, the number two, N-D, which will be impossible to find like beyond this point. <laughs> Yeah, it's not the second as like S-E-C-O-N-D, which a lot of people, I think, seem to think it is when I tell them. The hey, title. Oh, well, have you been telling a lot of people this title? Because it's this week's Blind Buy. And we've saved the best for last I mean, year, is it folks. Blind Buy or is it now the Die Hard Clone Corner? Because that seems to be. Uh... Yeah, I know. I love <laughs> we've been going hard on these VOD movies lately. Um, but here we go. So this one stars Ryan Felipe. Everyone's favorite actor that's not Will Forte or, or uh, wait, who else? Kristen Wiig? She's in MacGruber, right? <laughs> or Val Kilmer. Yeah, the other guy. Is it Ryan Felipe or is it Ryan? Is it Ryan Felipe? <laughs> I call him Felipe. <laughs> wait, because his name, his name ends with P-E, right? It is. I always thought it was Philippi. Is it Philippi or is it Felipe? I don't know. Uh, Philip, if you put a P in an E, you're asking me to say Felipe. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I like Felipe. I'm going to go with that. I mean, that also now. makes him sound like Spanish <laughs> or Italian. Spanish or something, yeah. <laughs> 
Anyways, what does Ryan Felipe do in this movie? Uh, he plays a very frustrated man who's picking up his son from college for the Christmas vacation when, uh-oh, some terrorists arrive led by Casper Van Dien with a cane. <laughs> of course. And they take over the school. And by the school, I mean an empty warehouse in one hallway. Yep, yep definitely. It's definitely not a school. Uh, Ryan Phillip and his son and the daughter of a Supreme Court justice who's about to drop his verdict on the new law for a Second Amendment have to outwit these terrorists and somehow survive. So it's a diehard clone. It's a very generic one. Uh, because I... the terrorists want to force his hand on on the vote somehow well right? we'll get to the vote okay. later okay. on okay sorry but i would say as a an entertaining film i actually found this really fun especially for such a dirt cheap dtv film <laughs> like it is so cheap like it's almost insanely it's cheap. very cheap yeah <laughs> uh yeah i feel like beyond the presence of like actors that you kind of remember from films in the 90s there's yeah like there's, there's a colored no hallway behind this. that's what this movie has but i'll <laughs> yeah. say this uh, all yeah. the villains were distinguished in my mind like i could tell them apart they all had gimmicks the fight scenes were way more fun than they had to be for such a cheap movie <laughs> apparently ryan felipe is a it, <laughs> It's, I'm going, you say I'm it going with it. He is well versed in in the martial arts, apparently, which I didn't realize. But well, you, you pointed out that this movie. was a uh, vanity project for him because the executive produced he it as did, well. Yeah, and yeah, and whoever choreographed the action, I looked. It's like a stunt performer. He hasn't done that much, but he actually gets like an action design credit, which is a very rare one that you see. It's filled with gags. It's shot a little bit sloppily, but everyone has like a gimmick. Like there's a knife woman. There's like a big hulking guy, and they have a fight in a gym. Uh, there's like an action scene almost like every seven minutes, pretty much. Like you're never really bored. And Ryan Phillip is really funny in this because he seems so frustrated to be trapped in a Die Hard he movie. Does, yeah. <laughs> like he's just like, I want to get this over with. Like he arrives, he kills a guy and he's like, all right, let's get out of here. Like, he's so <laughs> bored with it all right from the get go. And I, I want to say it's a, a he, you know what? It feels like he's trying to do Guy Pierce in space prison. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's trying to do. Yeah. And it knows it's a diehard ripoff. It even takes place during Christmas. It so does. A yeah, plus for it's me. a Christmas movie, of course. I forgot. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely surprised by his. I mean, his action pro- Ryan Felipe's action prowess, which I did not. I did not realize he had. Um, so yeah, he was good. I mean, you know what? I'm gonna say Casper Van Dien committed in this movie. Like, committed, yeah. yeah. And I mean. I, I mean, unfortunately, I think both Ryan Felipe and Casper Van Dien are like huge pieces of shit. Yeah, please life. don't say Ryan Felipe because it makes me I, laugh every I'm gonna time. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. Yeah, they're real pieces of shit in real life. Both of them are. Yeah. So, but that's good that they're stuck in really cheap vanity yeah, projects like this. And they're this. both, like you said, pretty committed. Like even Casper Van Dien was pretty committed to his bad guy role in this. So, but the real like question that. about this movie is it's called The Second, about the Second Amendment. And. So the movie never tells you what the Supreme Court decision is supposed to be. And it feels like they did shoot a version that was clear, like the Supreme Court's trying to take our Second Amendment away. And these terrorists want to instill, I guess, gun laws is what they want. Like, OK, I, I'm very confused by this. Yeah. I mean, everybody's very confused. And I read 
I mean, there's not many reviews about this, but like reading through reviews after just from like bloggers and stuff, it doesn't seem like anybody knows well, what. It's definitely right wing. Like looking at the people who made the movie and the people that star in the movie, but the film doesn't take a position on it. But it starts off like the Supreme Court justice whose you know daughter gets kidnapped initially is talking about how he wants to uphold the Second Amendment, right? That everybody should have guns. I believe there's an interview with him at the beginning. Somebody, No, some... you're confused. It's a different person that gets oh, interviewed. It's a senator at the you know beginning. What? They look so alike. Yes. You know, okay. I, they don't they look don't. alike. I just, the like, senator's an old man. Right. But the senator is treated as a joke because he's like, I think every uh, man, woman, and child should have a gun. And it's like, what? So you get that, right? But then there is – okay, I think the reason I got confused because there is a scene where the daughter is like – clearly she's not that much a fan of her dad's politics though because she has a scene where she's like not exactly happy to go home for Christmas and she's talking about like, oh, well, we can't leave politics out of it around family time because she like disagrees with her father's views. So I kind of took that as like, okay, she – like is unhappy with her dad's like pro gun. Yeah, stance. she's one of those college yeah. liberals. And then it seemed like the bad guys were because there's so there's another bad guy played by Richard Berge who basically takes the dad hostage in his house and has this Well, he big, says we have your daughter. He has he has an insane speech where he quotes an Ursula Le Guin story. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then what? he talks about like how the tragedy about kids going in and shooting up schools, yeah, right? Something like no, no, no. The story he tells is about sacrifice. So you have to sacrifice one person for the greater good. But I thought he was talking about how to get to a place where, like, he wanted a world where there were no guns because it was awful that you know anybody could get like an assault rifle and shoot everything up. But to get to that point, we have to make sacrifices. Yes, I think that's what it was. <laughs> so it's like the bad guys want to eliminate guns by using a ton of guns and like I think the force. idea is that like it's the nightmare of people that are obsessed with owning guns, which is that the government will impose laws that will keep citizens from having guns. And then the government has the gun so they can rule the citizens because they think that they're correct. <laughs> Uh, that's a yeah. bad message. I mean, come on. I mean, it's we're, we're going yeah. to take a very controversial p uh, position on the uh, Base Free Video podcast and say, I think common sense gun safety regulations are good. Like, there should be that. <laughs> You know, if, uh, I stand. I stand for the Second Amendment, Justin. Yeah, so, if okay. you <laughs> um, have like mental problems or specific, or not mental problems, uh, I mean, there's ways to go about it, like gun, you know, safety checks. And yeah, that of should course. exist. I think. Look, I, I think at this point, anybody who is like really hardcore into like you know the Second Amendment and keeping guns is just like a right wing nut job or part of like the NRA. So, I mean. I think, yeah, a movie like this has come out and it's like, clearly it's got a right wing bent. I mean, we both felt that. But it also wants to try and appeal to a larger action movie audience that maybe doesn't want to get involved in political debates like that. So it just kind of steps back and wants to like, yeah, it kind of wants to have its cake and eat it too, and right? the film like, seems so. to imply that the Second Amendment was destroyed by the end of the movie. Like, the bad guys got what they wanted. And I got to point out, all the gunfights in this movie suck. So, yeah, get rid of those They're guns. terrible, yeah. Like, all <laughs> the fist fights are good. The gunfights are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I don't know what the messaging really is in this. Well, you know what the messaging is. It's just not clear. We do know what the messaging. I don't know what they thought the audience was going to think the messaging was in this. I think they wanted to trick them into thinking whatever they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, like a lot of the just blog reviews I read, a lot of them were just like, you know what? I don't really get the messaging, but like, you know, the action's good. I like the action in it. So it seems like people just kind of like the action. And I think at the end of the day, they're probably more just concerned with potentially setting up a a franchise for Ryan Felipe to star in based on the incredible ending. This film has the craziest two minutes that I have ever seen. Like it ended and I was like, I can't believe they ended the movie that way. Like they want the audience to jump to their feet and be like, yes, like there's an insane reveal reveal that comes out of nowhere. And I was like, I did not pay attention enough to know this person's face, but I think this is who it's about. Like, (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely... Who, who you think it is. And I only I only know that because I know the actress, because the actress playing... Does she appear earlier in the movie, or does she appear in a she photo? Does. She's at the beginning. Okay. She's at the beginning. So there's a scene between them at the beginning. And she's also a cast member of the OC from back in the day. So that's how I, I know that actress. But yeah, you basically think the movie's over and it's like a happy ending. And then out of nowhere, you get like a crazy like... It's like a next level thing. It's like he's, oh, he's going to like, the next level. It's time you know? to pay your bills. And it ends with yeah. like Ryan Felipe like <laughs> doing a spin kick. And it's like not properly framed. It's as if no, like he did it all. and he didn't let anyone know. And then it cuts it cuts to a drone shot, like a stock footage drone shot. And then the credits <laughs> It was roll. almost as if like they had ended the movie and they weren't going to do this. But they were like on the fly, like, oh, you know what would be a great idea? Let's just shoot yeah, this Yeah, maybe quick we'll include right in the now. movie. And like, I guess the second one would pick up like a second after this movie ends. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, good news. Casper Van Dien, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but he doesn't die in the movie. So you could definitely come back. But you know what needs to happen in the second one? They team up. And they have to take down the, the big villain. Yeah, there you go. What would what would it even be called, though? Is it going to be called the second second? Oh, or no, the third, it would be the or, first second. <laughs> the first second? <laughs> the and, second after. And, oh, no, the, the second, second after. after. That's exactly what it would be. And it would start with Casper Van Dien dropping his classic <laughs> catchphrase where he's like... Um, uh, what's the secret to two people? Oh no, what 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 is his catchphrase? It's like he keeps saying it too. It's like you know how two people keep a secret. Yeah, like, it's hard. like there's just one person. Yeah, yeah, one. Yeah. And it could be like, do you know how one person takes down a whole army in a hospital? He teams up with someone else. And he like class hands. Oh, it would make so much sense too. At the end of the film, Casper uh, Van Dien's all burned, so he's already at the hospital to get like work done to his face. And then that's how he yeah. meets Ryan Felipe, and they. Teams team up right they don't like each right. other even of though course. the Casper Van Dien killed so many innocent people in the first movie but they oh my god so many innocent people yeah <laughs> they have to work together to get out of this I mean so did Jason Statham yeah in, you uh, know they, Fast, they all do uh, it's fine just forget it but we forget about those innocent bystanders I am here right? for the second cinematic universe I am ready for it so yeah I don't know I feel like you know if you put the political messaging would I recommend this as a blind buy sure yeah Yeah. I don't know I mean maybe I'd recommend it more as like a stumble across on VOD and watch kind of thing it's political message is funny enough that like you can laugh at it like because it's so like muddled in the the, what it's trying to say so oh yeah it just gets more and more confusing as it goes along so I'm all for that (laughs) all right so that's it for the Bay Street video podcast so until next week my name's Justin the Clue and I'm Mark Hansen keep on buying keep on renting the second cinematic universe
starring Ryan Phillips. These movies and many more are available at your local video store.